Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, PGA Tour Radio. Wanted to give you an update on the Phil situation uh, as it relates to Alan Shipnick with his dropping the quote a few days ago about Phil's candid thoughts on the Saudi tour. And the fallout was such that even during the finishing of the Genesis, that people were talking more about Phil than the actual um, tournament coming to a close, which I think is uh, telling a lot. So I've knocked out a few of the podcasts that I think are really great, uh, including Stripe Show, which had Brandel Chambly on. And Brandel's take on that is Brandel never um, bites his tongue when it comes to an issue. He did give that completely unfiltered, unvarnished opinion backed up as usually he does by a lot of facts, by a lot of specifics, which I like. And so whatever you think about Brandel, he came out and said what a lot of commentators and speakers aren't willing to say. So I'd been a Phil fan forever, and I just know my personal experience of going to Torrey Pines and having him sign stuff for me, and then, you know, I would take pictures with him and fans, and he'd spend a ton of time off the 18th green, and he was really great. So to hear Brandel talk about how early on in the tour, uh, in his words, before he kind of put the pieces together that it could make money for him, that giving autographs and having this good guy image can be profitable that he pushed or like he wouldn't give an autograph to a young kid and how early Phil didn't have the polish that later Phil did. And his impression from the interview was that all this was very calculated. So that very well could be. And I try to give Phil the benefit of the doubt in all of these situations that I'm hearing and I do that because I know that the feedback that I'm hearing from all these different broadcasts is that Phil's, you know, how could he do this? He's getting in bed with the Saudis, which have a reprehensible human rights record. Uh, why would you take their money? And it just leads to that slippery slope of, yeah, well, we all do business with people. We may even work with people that we don't like and are morally repugnant, but we do it because it's business. So... To inject the morality side of things is um, an argument, but may not be perfectly squeaky clean when it comes to all of the people involved in their own individual situation. So Alan Chipnick started the day going on Rich Eisen, and he really just put his cards out on the table. Uh, he was good enough to uh, comment from my tweet that... Uh, you know, it was a good interview and that it, it was interesting to get that amount of attention. But this really did get a lot of attention. It's a worldwide story. These quotes were incredibly damaging. And Phil's statement as it came back maybe was lacking in some of the social graces that are 
characteristic of something that would be written for a PGA Tour by their PR departments or crisis management people. So there's a lot of suspicion and speculation about why it was worded the way that it was worded. And Rex Hoggard on his podcast and uh, his partner did a good job about pointing out that two words that were missing from it were PGA Tour. So it was effusively apologetic to the Saudis, but no mention of the tour the whole time. And, you know, I think Rex was saying that the fact that he didn't play in Scottsdale where he's won, and I think he's, that's where he won as an amateur, you know, 30 years ago, and then he's not doing the Genesis, which he's played before. The fact that he's missing the West Coast swing, it not only could be that he's actively uh, suspended from the tour, but that he was suspended for a while, which was kind of an interesting thought, and then just not being forthright about it. And from the musings that I've heard uh, from PGA Tour players and the reporting about the actual get-together of the Players Conference... The uh, first issue that Jay Monahan would release to everyone when he was, you know, leading the meeting was that if any of you want to do something or take money from the Saudis or you know try to thwart the tour in some way, then there's the door. Um, that I think was part and parcel to what has probably already been done to Phil. So a lot of players are not being super forthright because it's you know a privileged meeting and it's probably frowned upon to let loose details from the actual meeting. But what we do know is that that was what the commissioner started the meeting with and then he went into other um, avenues. But I think that I'm going to guess there may have been some mention of Phil. And then, of course, during the meeting itself, yeah, I think it was like two minutes into the actual meeting is when the statement was released such that all the players are going to their phones and reading the statement uh, that Phil put. So it, it seemed like it was timed in a way to be impactful against the PGA Tour and no mention of the PGA Tour was made in there. So I got to believe that his likelihood of being a President's Cup or Ryder Cup captain are substantially lower than they ordinarily would have been where he would be a lock. And Alan Shipnick says that he thinks that Phil will get past this. He'll be there at Augusta in April. He'll have his, you know, characteristic um, way that he uh, gets favor from the public. He's a huge fan favorite. But I don't know. I mean, with all the revelations that Branda was giving and that you're getting quotes from players that Phil wasn't necessarily liked as much. I think Phil or um, Brandel also said that one of the reasons that the PGA Tour or the, or the U.S. side on the Ryder Cups might not have been doing that well over the last 15 years came down to Phil. So that's an interesting perspective that Phil's not being super enthusiastic about playing the Ryder Cup for free and then other golf entities making money while he wasn't was um, he was stirring up some sort of dissension in the team rooms. That's interesting because when that had been a point of contention, I think in 99 for the Ryder Cup, like I always heard that it was Duvall or other players, but to hear from Brandel that he thinks that that was the focal point of 
um, the dissension when it came to money or came to money was really interesting. But to hear the different attacks, like it, it, it made sense because Randall just went on like a, a line of what exactly was going wrong with Phil. I mean, we know about it was in 2018, he hit the ball in a U.S. Open because he was frustrated and he later said that that was a calculated way of putting on a show to be able to have leverage against the tour or to make a spectacle of it. Um, but that's something that John Daly, you know, did out of really frustration. You almost never see that in a gentleman's game, like slapping the ball on the green. So I think a lot of people are perplexed by that, but they give Phil the benefit of the doubt. And even in this letter, he said, like, I appreciate those that give me the benefit of the doubt. Cause I think most people do that or maybe aren't as close, but I was questioning, yeah, his decision, I mean, when he fired Bones, because Bones is so beloved, and I know at the time he wasn't playing particularly well, but usually people kind of stick with their caddies. I guess they shake it up from time to time, but I was perplexed there because you had Bones, and he got a great bag after that, too, but like he's an expert in all these areas. He was doing a bunch of media, and I always really appreciate his commentary. He was always super nice on the course. I remember I was at uh, Tory, and I said, like, morning bones, um, way before Phil got there. I knew not to talk when Phil was there, but, um, you know, he, like, looked me in the eye and said, like, morning, and it was super congenial, and he's just one of the really good guys. But I think that... Um, the other elements about the media personality that Randall brought up, brought up that like you get a question and Phil will set the ground rules. I think it was one of the more recent events. He will set the ground rules. You can ask me questions about the following, but nothing else. Or that if he gets a question that doesn't like, he'll answer that like a politician, like the way that he wants it to be answered. So I get that. Um, I was surprised to learn that he wouldn't do like the ceremony when he won the the um, one of the recent majors. Like he just balks at a lot of the standard, you know, practices and traditions, which is surprising because golf is so steeped in all of that. And if you look at other top players, like Tiger is so steeped in the history of golf, and he's always very respectful to the traditions that I can think of and the narrative for a decade was that Phil good tiger bad like the Nick Faldo-esque way that tiger would go to the golf course and just not buddy around as much just really be intent on getting the job done was looked upon not as great so like the foil to that was Phil and being great with the fans and being buddy buddy and so it's troubling to hear about this and I follow golf very closely. I'm a huge fan. And I reach out to people. I'm like, did you know about all this stuff? And it seems like it was a tsunami of information from people about Phil that kind of opened your eyes up to it. But I certainly hope he comes back to the tour. I hope that this time away is not prolonged. And... I would say that if he does do Augusta, obviously that'll be the news story. So to the extent that Augusta may not want that to be the story, would want the golf to be the story, he may not come to that. But Phil's already a Hall of Fame player. 
and we may not agree with what he says, but you never, I think people are um, quick to forgive if there's like a sincere apology there. And I, it, it seems like from all the feedback that's out there and uh, that this was not as well received as Phil may have intended. And the big point of um, frustration, and, well, lack of understanding, I think, is that you hear a lot, like the writers were thinking, like, what is Phil's motivation to reach out to, to Alan and give him those quotes? And Alan thinks that it was because he thought that the book would be released in uh, April or May, so like these comments wouldn't apply, and by then the deal with the Saudis would be done. He'd already have signed on DeChambeau and you know all these top players comprising what like the fifteen or seventeen that were promised. And this quote, I think, really dropped the hammer on the tour because it both shown a negative light to the Saudis as well as to the PGA Tour. And it was just the most impactful quote. I mean, Rich Lerner said, I think it was like the biggest scandal in the history of golf, or certainly in the last few decades of golf, which it sounds like a bit of hyperbole, but when you think about it, maybe not. Like this is a legend of the PGA Tour actively thwarting the tour and their efforts and their media rights. So... The combination of Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson going together to aggressively try the new tour thing was worrisome for a lot. But to see Rory be against it the whole time is refreshing to a lot of people. I see a lot of, especially Irish reporters. I was listening to an Irish podcast and they were talking about the Phil situation. And they were saying that Phil has a little bit of um, Donald Trump in him and he this reporter in Ireland doubled down that Phil will try to set the narrative in the way that the former president did. So essentially he was painting these um, aggressive Americans that lack the tact that they appreciate in Ireland, I think in saying that. So he's like, essentially Phil is a bully. And he did say that a little bit later in the episode that Phil's a bully these insider trading situations that he had, the betting, all these things that are behind the scenes that Phil tried his best to cover up are characteristic of a broader behavior and that understanding that players have. But that you see characteristically nice guys that are throwing Phil under the bus. And these are from players that you almost never hear anything negative from, much less throwing another player under the bus. I mean, this is really just unheard of in the way that Rory is going after Phil and Tiger is being completely silent on it. But when asked about it, like he recognizes the media rights are what they are. However, the PGA Tour falls into place relative to other tours. You know, they have a good retirement package as he highlights and it may have problems, um, but as it relates to paying the licensing fees to do like the match or the silly season type of events to get a certain money back to the PGA Tour to put those events on, I think it's reasonable because a lot of money is being raised for charity. These tournaments are quite expensive to run and they are making money from the betting side of things and the TV rights and all that. And they have a a ton of cash coming in. 
I think Rex said that the PJ Tour itself is worth five billion, but I think Phil made a hundred million on course and then seven or eight hundred million from endorsements and everything. So there's money to be made that much more off the course. And, you know, in the process, you can still make quite a bit on the course. So I really think that they set the conditions up the right way. If it was so bad, I think the European tour would be getting a lot more play. And when you think about it, I mean, some of the richest countries in the world are in Europe. And still people come to the United States because it seems like they've got the tour right and they're doing a lot of the right things. So I think the players saying that Jay Monahan's doing a good job as the commissioner, I tend to take him at face value or take them at face value. And the quote from one of the players that Jay said, uh, I think it was in, in one of the players' meetings, was that we're at war right now. And that shows the severity. Not only that Phil's going after the commissioner directly, but that there's a lot of money overseas. They're trying to sports, sports wash, which is the term that I just learned, which I guess is like a tyrannical regime. We'll try to spend a bunch of money on sports to direct focus away from whatever human rights violations or practices that they're doing that are less than savory. But I think that um, this story is maybe starting to die down a little bit because all the information that's out there that's hasn't been stonewalled is pretty well out there. So whenever Filda does decide to come back, it'll be again a sensational story. But people have tried to throw Alan Shipnick under the bus in terms of trying to use it as a means to sell his book or that he has an axe to grind with Phil because he asked him face-to-face to sit down for interviews and have an authorized biography and was giving him examples of why that this particular biography would be well-suited for him and, you know, give examples of, well, this player and this player gave biographies and worked with an author. So from what I can see, I think Alan's being truthful that it doesn't have an axe to grind and that he's putting it out there more for people to get a clearer picture before the Saudi league does kick up uh, into something that uh, is going to materialize. So you can say whichever you want about Alan Shipnick's motivations for dropping the quote earlier than perhaps Simon and Schuster would have liked, but that it definitely does further the conversation in terms of the suitability of the Saudi tour and it provides clarity for those that were on the fence. I think once those quotes came out, you saw a bunch of players, especially the ones that were on the fence, like DeChambeau just dropping the hammer like, nah, I'm good, and I'm going to turn down that money because this is a hornet's nest of mess. And the independent contracting works best for me. On the Saudi tour, if I don't do well, then I may not get any more exemptions, and then I'm done. And on the PGA tour... If you don't do well, that's fine. You can continue to try to qualify for events, go to Q school, get exemptions, and you can you know go as long as you want. But if you go to the Saudi tour, then the PGA tour drops you, then you're done. I mean, you, can, you can't even do Corn Ferry because they have the association there. So you'd have to just do money games in Vegas or something with that like plus five handicap. And that is problematic. So no young person would take that deal, especially the ones that want to have some longevity in the game. So it's mostly people that are at the end of their career, 
that are deciding between senior tour or champions tour and uh, exemptions here and there and you know what else is out there they're having to offer a lot of money because if you lose your status on the PGA tour then you've lost a lot of opportunity because it, that's like the place to go uh so i think that that was a big ask and there's a lot of money that's going to be keeping these events going whether the matches will continue on because i think those were like huge media events that were so much fun to watch loved watching it loved to see the back and forth between tom brady and i mean it was made for tv and it did spectacularly well and it was very well received so i think that format is good like the wide world of golf like shell's wonderful world of golf from back in the day those were the best i remember watching those on the golf channel when the golf channel launched and like seeing palmer play sneed and those were like some of the best matches ever so that format i think does work the one-on-one nature but also the stroke play works and obviously the Ryder cup match play is hugely exciting and then the amateur of course because it's head-to-head so golf it keeps reinventing itself, but it does so around the existing PGA Tour. And then to hear the news that Greg is threatening the PGA Tour in terms of you can't kick us out or you can't ban us, I'm thinking that was reactionary to Phil possibly letting him know that, yeah, I've been banned from the tour, and then he's bringing his lawyers or spinning up his lawyers to say, like, what can we do about this? And then using some protective clauses and essentially getting lawsuits going to assert um, the heavy-handedness in his eyes of the PGA Tour, like they can't be doing that, and to better position the Saudi Tour to operate uh, without the PGA Tour saying, if you do business with them, then you're out over here, which makes it much more difficult for Saudi, the Saudi Tour to get any sort of good players over there. So definitely an interesting situation. And I think that for the foreseeable future, at least until the weeks leading up to Augusta, this probably will have died down. And Phil will have time to think about it. I think that the media organizations that really most heavily went after Phil were had uh, existing tie-ins to the PGA Tour. And if their networks, you know, they have licensing deals with the PGA Tour that they wanted to keep in good stead. So whether they felt as... Um, intense as these comments came out we'll never know because they have those existing relationships they want to keep cordial but I just thought that very few people are coming to Phil's defense on this and many people would say it's indefensible but at the same time if he truly was trying to do the NFT platform and get those negotiated rights for the players and was doubling down with his reputation as a leverage tool to benefit the players union and and get more of the tours pay to the individual players i think that's a noble goal but perhaps just not gone about the right way and yeah some i think additional contrition based on the response from that apology statement may be in order and the first time he goes on camera perhaps a willingness to take some questions that he doesn't take off the um, table. So perhaps more of a mea culpa type of interview that really hits all of the points of, you know, what was I thinking on this? 
Do I have an appreciation for the PGA Tour? Um, why did I want to go this scorched earth policy as it relates to, you know, setting ablaze all of the PGA Tour? You know, did my career, as many people see it, and uh, addressing some of the the arrogance that um, the players are pointing to. So a definitely interesting week in golf. Remember to subscribe to my um, channel here and check us out at pgaradio.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.